Hello, dear listener. Before you go too deep, know that this is a rebroadcast of Luke Mihal's Dirtbag State of Mind podcast and his interview with yours truly. So if you heard it over there, or the idea of me talking more about myself than I already do seems grueling to you, maybe just click over to the next pod in your feed and get back to me when the next Enormacast drops in a few days. Cheers. You are listening to the Enormocast. So what's your tired excuse for not wearing a helmet? Too heavy? Not anymore. Too hot? You literally wear a beanie in your sweltering climbing gym, bro. Too dumb looking? Well, you might have me there. But you know what else is dumb looking? A cracked skull. So yes, 25 years ago, all those excuses might have had legs. But Black Diamond's modern helmet shut them all down. The Vapor, Vector, or Vision are all great lightweight foam helmets that do what modern helmets should do, which is make you forget they're even on your head. And if foam feels too flimsy, check out the more traditional full plastic and suspension half dome. No matter which you choose, they all sport sleek headlamp clips, UIA rated protection, and a price point one one thousandth of your average head trauma surgery. But listen, the Royal We at the Enormous Cast really just want you to consider getting your freaking brain wrapped in a helmet. And while we'd love for you to support Black Diamond, Frankly, there's a lot of great lightweight helmets out there, and it's time to reconsider your prejudices for the old brain bucket, even when you're, quote, just sport climbing. So support the Enormacast by checking out Black Diamond's line of modern helmets at blackdiamondequipment.com or your local shop. But if you don't find what you like there, look around. And please, get your brain behind some foam and plastic before it's too late. I've tried just about everything to get you to drop some serious cash on high-end Sportiva climbing shoes, short of coming to your house and shoving your gnarled feet in them myself while you whimpered and giggled in equal measure. You gigglers know who you are. But obviously, a big part of the enormination does not want or need to drop serious coin on a terrain-specific shoe. You want something reliable, comfortable, and reasonably priced. The new Aragon is an all-day shoe that doesn't sacrifice performance and can slide on your footsies or into your shoe quiver for less than 100 bones. And the Zenit is an intermediate shoe that can point you towards harder, steeper boulders and sport climbs. Both have no lace closures, something I've come to love on my Otakis, and are designed to be resold easily to save you even more money in the long run. So if comfort and fun is more appealing to you than downturn and pain, Check out the new Aragon or Zenit at Sportiva.com or your favorite local shop. We gotta get Listen, uh, uh, where are you playing in town? You, are you playing here? We're doing the, uh, the Normo Dome, whatever it is. It's terrific. Oh, it's yeah, big place. That's, out. Out town. That's a big nice. place. You sold oh, it out. I'll see. So we really yeah. should. Look, you better get up there before you panic. Those pens are loose. You're very good. I have really enjoyed climbing with you. I don't think so. But we shall continue with style. Good weather. Bad weather. Now or later, anytime. Today's show is brought to you by Black Diamond Equipment. With support from Maxim Ropes. And the fine folks at La Sportiva. And don't forget our charter sponsor, Bonfire Coffee. Go to bonfirecoffee.com and enter Enorma at checkout for a discount on great coffee and to support the Enorma cast. And now back to the show. (laughs) 
Hello and welcome to the Enormous Cast. This is your host, Chris Galus. It is October 28th, about 10 o'clock here in Colorado, 2021. And this is episode 229.5 of the Enormous Cast. It's it's an interim edition of the Enormous Cast. What we have today is a rebroadcast of Luke Mihal's Dirtbag State of Mind podcast interview with yours truly. The reason to rebroadcast this is because uh, Luke did a nice job. He does a good job over there at that podcast. I wanted to uh, make sure you guys know about the Dirtbag State of Mind podcast. As longtime listeners know, Luke's been a friend of the podcast for years, and we like to uh, sort of mutually promote each other's endeavors, him down there at the Climbing Zine in Durango, Colorado. Luke cranks out Climbing Zines, which are great repositories for unknown writers, writers that may not get a chance elsewhere, plus professional writers, professional climbers. It's quite a grab bag of the community, and it's always been doing a good job and keeping it pretty small and tight down there, which, you know, I appreciate. So check them out and check out the Dirtbag State of Mind podcast. It's all at climbingzine.com. You can find out everything about Luke down there. Uh, please head over there and uh, support what he does. So just like when I rebroadcast the Nugget interview, we're just trying to, you know, fertilize the ecosystem and make sure we're all just supporting each other out here in this small media world, the independent world of podcasting and, yeah, fertilizer. Can you smell it? Can you smell the fertilizer? Making the soil moist and dense. Anyhow, why don't I stop talking so I can start talking again? Check it out. An interview with Chris Caloose by Luke Mihal from the Dirtbag State of Mind podcast. start this out by saying thank you to you, Chris. Um, as we were talking about before we started recording, um, the Enormacast is, is uh, I was on the early days of the Enormacast. I was just looking at it today. It was like episode 42. You've done hundreds since then. And many people found out about the climbing zine through the Enormacast. So I just want to start off by, by saying thank you. Yeah, no problem, dude. I yeah. mean, I, I remember being a good interview and interesting and you know, uh, having that sort of, you know, whatever compatriot, you know, small media guy that's trying to just do his own thing, which is my big push when I started podcasting. So it felt like a good fit. Yeah, totally. And we didn't know each other at all at that point. We'd met. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think we'd met in Taylor Canyon. We'd met in Taylor Canyon once and the black Canyon once. Right, right, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Totally. Um, here we are in another dark CD room. What are you talking about? This is my house. That's true. It's, it's not CD. Well, it's, it's just dark. It's a, well, it's dark because it's so hot outside. I keep it like fully shaded down here, and totally. it is in it is in the midst of sort of a 
you know, multi-year remodel. So you're right. There's holes in the walls and stuff like that. So, but, uh, but it's also, you know, it's also cool down here, which is why we're down here. It's nice and cool. And I appreciate you making the time. And we're going to do this up, do this up in Lander. And I just happened to be coming to Carbondale to see my buddy, Brian Malone for our annual visit. And, uh, this worked out. So thank you. Yeah. We had to bail from Lander early. So I apologize for that. Yeah, like, yeah, you don't I, have to apologize. Well, I, yeah. I, it's because you know I sit around trying to talk people into doing interviews, and I find it to be you know really annoying when they're hard to like pin down. And so suddenly I was like, I became this hard to pin down guy for, you know, for the fest. So I, I was just like, you know, commiserating with you as a podcaster. Yeah, yeah, I guess I am a <laughs> podcaster. And when when you first interviewed me. Um, well, I, I want to go. I want to start with how you found the climbing zines. We met in Taylor Canyon. You were kind of doing stuff for the Gazette, the Mountain Gazette, um, which has made a resurgence recently, mm-hmm, which is mm-hmm. kind of cool. Uh, but that was back in the days of like print media was right. like your main way to do anything, right. you know. And we've come so far since then. But you found the climbing zine in Columbia. That's right. Okay, I'm and, glad you reminded me. <laughs> yeah. Right when you said that, I was like, "Oh God, he's going to ask me how I found the climbing zine." I can't remember, <laughs> but yes, I you did. Found it in Columbia, despite yeah. the fact that we had gone to school in the same place in Gunnison, Colorado, mm-hmm. um, slightly different times, and then we both spent a fair amount of time in Yosemite, and we both spent a lot of time in the creek. Right. We never even crossed paths in the creek, which is just crazy. Yeah, and it's. I think the whole thing. You know, the time in Gunnison, too, like, it was just, like, right when I was leaving Gunnison, that's when you showed up. You know, kind of your heyday in the creek started when I was petering out Mm -hmm. down there and not going quite as much. So I think it was kind of that, like, each time I was sort of on the downslide of whatever I was into, then you were were kind of on the upslide because you're younger than I am, too, so. Yeah, that's that's true, yeah. Um, but yeah, that, that first Enormacast episode, um, was just huge for gaining an audience and like literally for years, I would always ask people how they found out about the climbing Mm -hmm. zine. And for like three years, it was the Enormacast. And now the only thing that's beaten you is Instagram. Oh, nice. Like now the answer like is Instagram. Right, right. Thanks Um, to, yeah, so... So Zuckerberg has beaten me, but but I think you got a smaller team than Zuckerberg. Yeah, um, smaller fortune too, by a considerable amount. <laughs> by a considerable amount. Well, uh, let me say this: the only the other thing that's been cool about the uh, Norma cast and maybe continues to help you is that the the old episodes get downloaded and listened to um, all the time. Like people are, you know, they find it and then there are these collect collectivists or collectors that want to listen to the whole thing, and so. All those old episodes, including yours, will will get you know a, some bunch of downloads every year. Even now, so. dude, I had a guy at the crag like a week ago. He was like, "Oh yeah," he's like, "I know who you are. You were you were in the old school Normacast." And he's like, mm-hmm. he looked, he like did a wistful look, and he's like, "I really missed those days or something," you know. Like <laughs> he Has was nostalgic really about the really old Normacast. <laughs> I don't know. I don't I know what it's it was. More slick now. I don't know. I wonder what he meant by that. He was just nostalgic for right, the old episodes. Right. Maybe yeah. you know what it is. It's like, um, it's like when you find a band that was yours first mm-hmm. while they were still indie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think it's yeah. probably a lot of that. Like, well, I was there back in those days, and you know, then he sold out or whatever. Um, or I mean, I don't know if there's, but you know what I mean. Like it was yours when you felt like it was small, and only a handful of people were listening to that music. Yeah, and you we talk about the independent climbing media thing. Mm-hmm. And you were kind of joking with me that was like either me or you would succeed, you mm-hmm. know, <laughs> which 
I, maybe there was a perception like that because it was probably about six or seven years ago uh, that we did that interview in the yeah, Motel 6 or least, whatever yeah. in, in Salt Lake City. If it was City. 42, then it was, yeah, it was probably like, yeah, about that, right? Yeah, yeah. And we become friends, right. I feel like, through this medium, yeah. um, through the climbing zine and the Enormacast. Actually, my, my previous thought was when we kind of started these things, there was only really like rock and ice climbing the Alpinist and like real rock that were outlets of climbing media. Yeah. And now seven years later, there's thousands of outlets. Right. right. There's some leading podcasts and then there's a hundred podcasts that are training related that, you know, I'm guessing people like us don't really listen to, but other people do. And and, and something <laughs> I, I feel like I want to do is encourage other people to kind of go down this path. Um, and I think this will be very interesting because for the listeners, because we have very different approaches, you know, like, I go to outdoor retailer for three days and I am in like 15 to 20 meetings. Like my friends that go to meetings with me are just like, geez, like you are, you're going to so many meetings and you're kind of casual doing your thing, interviewing people and you show up for happy hour <laughs> and, and just our hustles are so different. Like right. I, I heard you say recently, like you're talking about merchandising, like I just can't get motivated and like <laughs> you can't get motivated to like mail something out. But like, that's my forte right, is like right. customer service, like right. with mailing, like you ask my customers or whatever, like that's what I'm good at. I remember Jeremy Collins said something similar on one of your episodes too, of like, I just can't, I can't motivate to put this thing in the box and, and put right. it out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I, I really want to know, especially for the listeners, dude, how did the Enormacast start? Because you, you had a, a different named podcast to start, right? Yeah, well, that's funny because I had a, a podcast called Off Belay, which there's now another podcast called Off Belay. I think out of the, <laughs> yeah. I think out of you the East. <laughs> no, well, it's funny you should say that, but they, I think they're kind of East Coast based. Gotcha. Um, and just kind of making a little run at it. So yeah. I don't know what their future is like. But Shout yeah. out to the Off Belay podcast. Yeah, Off Belay podcast, great name, <laughs> great name, you guys. The whole the origin story has to do with painting houses listening to podcasts. So this would have been in the, you know, like 2008, 2009. And podcasts were a very niche thing. Um, They've been around for years, but they were, they were still this kind of like really, you know, you had to download them. You had to put them on your iPod, you know, because this was pre-smartphone too. <laughs> yeah, totally. So, the, you know, you had to go find them and get them and, and deal with it on your computer, load them up. And, but I got kind of into it. It was a real DIY years of the podcasting mm -hmm. and that was its appeal to me um however there was a couple um dirtbag diaries was around i mean fitz was really like very f in the front end of at least outdoor podcasts mm -hmm. i mean literally maybe the first sort of outdoor oriented mm -hmm. podcast there had been a pod a climbing podcast called pod climber hmm. which was one of those things where it was just a little too too early to mm -hmm. ever catch on because there just wasn't an audience in podcasting and then uh, I just listened to them at work and a, a lot of DIY ones, particularly like uh, the history of Rome. I can't remember the guy's name, but. Oh, the guy that does like the three hour podcast. No, that was or... um, the, the hardcore history. That's yeah. Going, oh, yeah, yeah. No, this was even lower production value. Gotcha. Yeah, he was just yeah. he would just write out this stuff and talk about Rome in like 20 or 30 minute episodes. And uh, Mike Duncan, I think that was his name. Okay. I think he's still around in the podcasting world, but. Um, just like literally, you know, you could tell he was just like in his, in his office, just doing this thing. And yeah. same thing of like, I'm excited about this medium that I can just do this. And I thought it was fascinating. And then Mark Marin was, showed up on mm -hmm. the scene and yeah. that was the guy and it's common knowledge that I just 
ripped off his his mode lock stock and barrel and and the big thing is is that Marin did this thing two things first of all he was talking to comedians but he wasn't talking to them like you see them on ch- talk shows where totally they just lob a question so they can do a bit yeah basically is what it is you know like oh you've got this bit so I'm gonna set up a question where you can do your funny bit he was talking to them about their lives who they were and it turns out that comedians are totally. Are, are you swear podcast guy? Oh fuck yeah! Okay, yeah. so it turns out that comedians are totally fucked up. Yes, like pe- yeah. it's yeah. a real difficult lifestyle. Mm-hmm. It involves a ton of you know you know addiction is really common. You mm-hmm. know emotional issues, bad relationships. It just goes with the territory. And so he had a lot of fascinating stories to get out of these these guys that wouldn't do mm-hmm. their bits and and. I was like, that could be applied to climbers. No problem. Like, let's talk not about your climbing, not about what you sent. I mean, it's part of it, but let's talk about who you are, what you do, where you came from, all that sort of stuff. So that was it. And I just said, all right, I'm going to try to do that. And um, the first podcast was with a partner, and -hmm. there was just a falling out between myself and the partner. Gotcha. And technically, you know, she or I'll say they, sorry. Technically, they came up with the name. Uh-huh. And so when I was like, well, you know, I'm going to keep doing this, they were like, no, 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 you can't. So that's why I laughed when he said that if I'm going to sue him. I might not, I can't, <laughs> but this person <laughs> that might. That person could. But whatever. Yeah. The point is, is that then that fell apart, and then I kind of like was like, well, I'll just do it by myself. And, yeah. You know, same reason I used to solo walls. Mm-hmm. It's because I was like, well... I depend on somebody else. They have to show up. I have to deal with their schedule. You know, if they want to go down, I have to go down. So it was like kind of like the podcast equivalent of soloing a big wall. I was like, if I do it myself, then I call the shots and I get it done. And and that's when it, and it also kind of that's when I really took over the Marin kind of thing. Yeah, without the ten minutes of rants at the beginning. (laughs) Yeah, but you know what? I also the other thing I was going to say here was two things: is that he, you know, he saw podcasting. I mean, um, he wasn't the only one, but he saw it for for its advantages, mm-hmm. and he kind of threw the journalism thing, like all the rules of journalism, out the window mm-hmm. to say that you don't, you know, there, you, no one knows anything about Terry Gross, right? She's, you know, <laughs> yeah. she's this like <laughs> like this mystery cipher because her journalistic attitude and her acumen is that we I don't insert myself in this interview mm-hmm. as much as I can. I mean, and it's funny because when she. I've noticed that when she does and you get a little glimpse of who Terry is, like those are super popular episodes of fresh air because people yearn for it. They want to know who this person is, what she looks like, but she's a journalist and she's got that integrity. So Marin realized and a bunch of other podcasters then and since have realized that, well, we don't have any rules. Mm -hmm. We didn't go to journalism school. Mm -hmm. We aren't bound to this shit. So I can talk about myself all you want. And if you don't want to listen, you don't have to listen. And nobody's going to cancel my show. Yeah. Because that's the other thing. It's like, if you want to listen, you don't have to listen isn't any attitude you're going to get onto television or on the radio with back then. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I don't care. Don't yeah. listen then. You yeah. know, imagine a show on TV going like, I don't care. Don't watch then. Yeah. Like it's not part of the fabric. Mm-hmm. It is with podcasting, depending mm-hmm. on what you want to achieve with your podcast. Mm-hmm. But he... And he was like, yeah, it's it's a whole backstory that can go way deeper. But that was the point. I was like, you really can do whatever you want. And if I do 10 episodes and nobody listens, I can just stop. I mean, the investment was some mics that I already had. And like, 
I mean, the investment's almost nothing, right? Totally. If you have a laptop already, and and I had a couple mics from playing music, I was like, I had to get a digital interface, and that was that was it. So I mean, an investment of literally a few hundred dollars. Yeah, and you've got a podcast. Yeah, which is funny because as I you know in the last eleven years watch podcasting grow. Um, that's it's been eleven years. Yeah, or wow. no, no, no. Sorry, twenty eleven. So ten years. Ten years. Yeah, or still. almost ten. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. I misspoke because it's it's twenty eleven, but I've watched it grow, and I realized there was this point, and I, you know, I don't know when it was, maybe four years ago, where everybody caught on to that exact thing that I had already figured out mm-hmm. is that you can make a podcast for almost nothing, and mm-hmm. most people, depending on what kind of sound quality you want, l- most people in the United States have the means to make a podcast right now mm-hmm. if they own a laptop. Mm-hmm. That's all they have to have. Yeah. It'll sound like shit if you talk to the laptop screen. Totally. But you could put a podcast out. Yeah. Oh, and then you need a, you know, a free website. Yeah. You know. So yeah. all of a sudden like all these companies and stuff realize like, oh yeah, we can put a podcast together for nothing. Yeah. So all of a sudden Trader Joe's has a podcast. <laughs> right. Know? whatever walmart has a podcast like podcast 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 yeah. so that was like the big explosion i think probably like four or five years ago there was like this cluing into like this thing so yeah how do you start like wh- who when you started the enormacast you had a little bit of experience with the off belay right. who who did you start with and and where did you start to draw from like the experience of of asking people questions because i think you are a really good interviewer. Like you, you latch onto things kind of like Marin does really. Right. Where do you start with this whole thing? And, and what was it like? Well, I started, literally I started with my friend Lisa Hathaway down in Moab mm-hmm. and that's how the, the mobile studio got into it. Mm-hmm. Be- well, actually we did the first couple in her camper, but it was the same, same difference. Uh-huh. And do you still have the mobile studio. Yeah, I do. Okay. It's, it still exists. Yeah. Um, it's not, it's kind of falling apart, but it still runs, but um, I don't know what I'm going to do with it. But it's really unsafe. Oh yeah, we're talking about this is the yeah. the lander. It, we, uh, you should like there should be a climbing museum yeah, in yeah. in Moab, right. and it should be there. It should. But be anyways, uh, yeah. So Lisa, Lisa Hathaway. Yeah. So we we I just basically like, hey, I'm going to do this thing, and she's game. She's a good friend of mine. So she just sat down and we did the first couple of hours just chatting because mm-hmm. I kind of had it in my mind as like. I would do topics, you know, do banter because that was kind of another. There's, there's, there's like three or four like really tried and true now, particularly podcast forms. Again, different from broadcast thing elsewhere. Like the idea of two people just getting on a mic and bantering was kind of like a morning zoo radio format, maybe, but without the music. Which I think back then people thought like no one's gonna listen to that. But it was crazy what people listened to and what people clued into. Anyhow, so we did that. And then I think the third episode maybe was doing an interview. Gosh, I can't remember who it might have been. It might have been BJ Sabara. I know Andrew was an early one. So I, uh-huh. the, the other thing about Marin's podcast is that he was in the industry as a comedian forever. And so all he literally did was ask his friends to come on the show that he knew and some of them were famous comedians some of them were not so famous but mm-hmm. um the other thing about that is that i realized is that the not so famous ones often had way more interesting stories and are mm-hmm. were way better than the famous ones mm-hmm. so in my mind i was like okay let's just use all that 
I, I've been in the industry, quote unquote, or a climber. I wasn't in the industry until this. This mm-hmm. has put me in the industry, but I was a climber forever. I was a good enough climber where I was, I had dabbled with sponsorship, but I was always there. And I climbed with North Face athletes and I climbed with Patagonia athletes because I was good enough to be around. So that was kind of my thing. I was like, well, I'll just play those cards and call and see what these people want to do and see if they trusted me and, um, you know, to do this thing that no one, I mean, that was the days when you had to explain what a podcast was first, then, you know, it's like a radio show, blah, 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 you know, and then get them to sit down. Um, and you know, a lot of people were game and I'm here in Carbondale. So, you know, climbing, then rock and ice were both here. Um, so people were coming through, uh, you know, then the other thing that was really helpful is five point film festival also started, around then mm-hmm. maybe a couple years later so there was always people coming through with that because mm-hmm. um, i had the face-to-face thing going and so i was just always like a kind of a you know sort of this guy that was like a headhunter for people who were going to be around and and to talk to them and yeah. um and then the trade show became really useful for that too mm-hmm. um you know but it was like i knew randy levitt from back in southern california and i you know got him on and i knew Whoever, you know, it's like Jeff Jackson was here in town. He was an early guy. Like, mm-hmm. what a great interview he gave, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, the people who were game, you know, they just like, I could watch them like, you turn this all on and it's kind of weird. You got this mic in front of you. and, and But then it's like, and maybe that's the skill I have, which I didn't know I had, but like everybody forgets. I think so. That the mic's there and pretty yeah. soon we're just like rapping. Yeah, and I think the best Enormacast episodes are the ones that really get to the heart of of loving climbing and then people kind of telling their life story. Right. You know, I guess I'm thinking of like the Jim Danini episode or something. Mm-hmm. Um, what are those moments like for you when you really you get into something that might be unexpected or like how how do you feel around to where you're going to ask about something very personal. You know, I mm-hmm. think that's what we keep talking about Mark Marin, but I think right. that's what he, he does well. And he's obviously way more like neurotic <laughs> than right. you are, you know? Um, but like, how do you, how do you feel around in, in, in knowing you can go to those moments or do they just kind of happen organically? Um, they usually happen quite organically mm-hmm. and, I think there's a trust thing and that's the the bigger the Normacast has gotten the more helpful it is because people know it. Um I think I can be a little bit disarming with sort of joking about climbing, you know, understanding that it's not like the the you know, you know, as they say we're not, you know, curing cancer or whatever. It's still this like kind of ridiculous thing. But like that balance between taking it seriously you know, but also like knowing that it's sort of a frivolous, absurd act. But, I, and and again, all these sort of things are in retrospect, it's nothing I planned. The other part of it that I think that is helpful um, when I sit down with somebody is that I am not a Gumby mm-hmm. and not to like, you know, say that it's important how hard I climbed or whatever, but I've been around a long time. And I would say at least, I would say probably 70% of the people I've interviewed, like I know more about climbing than they do. Mm -hmm. And so the expertise thing is really helpful with, you know, I, I, I can cite like a Peter Croft, um, as that's a favorite in Norman cast with a lot of people. And in the room, that's my, I think that's my favorite in the room. 
I could tell I had kind of had to pursue him. He's not a big media guy. No. And I had to kind of bug him. And then he finally agreed. And we sat down in his hotel room out at Red Rocks. And as an example, to answer your question, he, I could feel like he was like, okay, whatever this is, you know, like this guy's from the, you know, Las Vegas reporter or some, he's, and I could, <laughs> I literally, as we got into it in about five or 10 minutes, I could feel him just be like, okay, this guy's ready to go. He knows about this stuff. He knows, he knows what he's talking about. He's a climber and I'm going to talk to him not about bullshit that's not climbing related or I'll have to explain things, but we're really going to get into it. Mm-hmm. And we're not just going to do the greatest hits either, you know, although yeah. we ended up doing a lot of them on that. But I think all those traits come into just have somebody relaxed and res- and and understand, like have respect for me and therefore trust for what I'm about to do. But look, I mean, you guys get, you know, it's like people listen and there's these great episodes where it does become forthcoming and we go in somewhere deep. And there's plenty of them that were like fluff. And I mean, in my opinion, like, you know, I got the party line and we didn't, we didn't get there. Yeah. Yeah. And to be honest with you, like you hear, I don't edit a ton, but I, I, I'll edit out rebuffs Mm -hmm. that don't go anywhere. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's just the way editing works. Like I'm not going to listen, put that out where you listen to me flounder, like, you know, the guy, or girl not like pick up on something that I said, you know, not a ton of that, but you get a much smoother, like, Oh, he's, he's jamming kind of podcast than maybe what actually happened. But I mean, you can, you know, it's like, we can all cite, everybody can cite a favorite, Mm -hmm. but then, you know, there's 50 you've forgotten, even if you listen to them. So it's not always there, but you have to, you just have to try to do it and maintain, you know, it's like, it's nice to have one of those episodes every, every few episodes to keep the, keep the fire burning kind of thing. Absolutely. What's your favorite episode? Oh God, I should have prepared for this. <laughs> Look, I've been citing this one. I've been citing the Paul Piano one forever because it's, it was an early one that I really liked. Uh-huh. Paul Piano was like, I don't think in the fifties or something like that. And actually someone just told me that that was one of their favorites. Um, at the fest too um but that was a, that was a really good one um i really like the stacy bear episode that was yeah. 103 even though it's like if you actually listen to it it doesn't it doesn't it's a I, we're, we're sort of getting to know each other too because that was like a real spontaneous one in yeah the first half um that was a climbing zine and normal cast connection right right yeah yeah because yeah, stacy wrote a really powerful episode called climbing past war right uh, in volume five about how climbing saved his life um and, and stacy i i talked to stacy mm-hmm. once a month on the phone and he's we go every you go everywhere right, with right. stacy um well i think actually though the connection to get him on the show was i had interviewed this guy named joshua brandon okay yeah, who's another yeah. vet yeah so i'm taking credit for some no no it's fine because <laughs> it may have been like that but all i yeah, know yeah, is that yeah. he introduced me to him at the trade show yeah yeah so i don't yeah, know yeah. what the what yeah. the timeline was between me yeah. interviewing him and stuff and all that coming out but um that was a really good one. I mean, shit, the recent, this one I just put out three episodes ago with this guy, Harvey Wright. Mm. Uh, that was like this wild one because, you know, we connected online and I have a, I've been doing them online. I did, I think, 211 or 209 or something like that face to face before the COVID yeah, yeah. switched. Every it up single and, one. I mean, yeah. that is me doing these. I told you this is about the fourth right, or fifth right. interview I've ever done. And most of the, the ones are like books on tape. The fact that you did 200 face to face, like you deserve like an American Alpine Club award for that. Thank you. 
Yes. Me and Dave Marcinowski were talking about this at the Crag the other day. Thank like, you. You you really do. Because I yeah. and I you know, I, I this will go on record as me being sort of like, I don't know, schmarmy or whatever. But I agree with you. And I think that what I've whether I meant to or not, what I've created is an archive that rivals some of the things they've granted and given awards to and and uh yeah, I'm still waiting for the call. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, so let me say this. You know, the Banff Mountain <laughs> Film Festival gives awards every year, and they do it Where's for, my Banff for Award? Es- exactly. They do it for essays, but... <laughs> I'm a legend up there anyway, already. <laughs> I, uh, we, I submit stuff for the climbing zine. I suppose and, I have to submit things, don't I? I well, they don't have a podcast category. Maybe yeah, they should. But I would have to submit myself, is what the problem is. I still want people just to come to my door and give me an award. Yeah, yeah. And we, we can talk about your, <laughs> your reticentness of... <laughs> <laughs> we can dive well, more into that right. strategy, but when I was on the Enormicast, I was also writing for the Alpinist and writing for Rock and Ice in that time period. I've kind of since just only do the zine and, and independently published, but I got a hundred percent, you know, a thousand percent more comments on my Enormicast episode than being an Alpinist or Rock and Ice. Okay. And for me, that was pretty mind blowing. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, but the articles they tend to do on us are these like little little bit pieces that you know well no i mean writing for those publications like me writing an essay yeah yeah, yeah, the feedback that i get from those from from being published in those publications was nothing compared to being on on the podcast you know yeah yeah but i didn't finish your question harvey wright i just interviewed this cat three episodes ago um and wasn't say is like more so than in person when i'm done with an interview online i i walk away with from it like i don't know what that i don't know what i just got there Mm. Uh, maybe my brain is disconnected or the feel is wrong but i'm i i know it's on my hard drive i know what we talked about but i'm like Mm -hmm. i didn't have i don't i don't have a i don't like it i don't have a sense for what the feel was like and then i went later and edited it and i was like wow this is really a fucking great interview and harvey did a great job and it was one about him and addiction and so it's those things again, like I mean, truth be told, those are like great places to go and in mind for meaning. And uh, I think he did an awesome job. And I was really in editing, I was like, Oh man, like this is really rad. You know, we're here and we're in there. And I had no feel for it when I was doing it, which is why I'm I'm trying I'm not gonna give up the the, the internet thing because I can, you know, go across the world. But I'm trying to move back to in person ones because Yeah. It's just so much for me. It's so much more uh, useful and and meaningful, and you know, I get a feel for what's going on, and therefore I can kind of be more deep in the interview. It's just really hard through the screen, yeah, yeah. Especially if things start to go wrong technically, right? Ugh, it's the fucking worst. Yeah, yeah. It can just like you could be in the deepest place, and then all of a sudden the whole thing glitches or shuts down, and it's just like, well, there went that. You know, even if you got it recorded, you got to start back up, and somehow like go back there it's like Mm -hmm. no way that's i mean it's like art in general like Mm -hmm. you know you're like in the middle of the most amazing writing session you can and all of a sudden it's like some the mailman bangs on the door you're like what like or whatever you know it's like (laughs) yeah those interruption can be real disruptive no i've always said if i ever murder someone it's gonna be because they interrupted my writing routine yeah totally (laughs) (laughs) um what does it mean to you to mean so much to the climbing community because I I have my ears to the ground. Um, 
I I know what you you mean. Um, and let me give an example from another person. You know, Shingo gave a great presentation the other night mm-hmm. at the the land at the climbers festival, and they had some technical difficulties. People in the back couldn't hear him, but they were figuring that stuff out. Right. Um, but these guys came up to me right before. You know, they're just like Shingo is my hero, right. and uh, and then Shingo was here there like ten minutes later, and Shingo's like. You know, he's very nervous about his presentation. He's like, I don't know if I should be talking about climbing and blowing it up, you know. And then I told him about these people, and right. he got emotional that he, 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 you know, he's just one of those people that, and I've, I've heard that he's like an elusive person to get on the Normacast. So, Shingo, if you're listening, you should get on the Normacast. But I think he's agreed. I think I just never pursued it. Okay. So, yeah, I need to get yeah, it done. It's yeah, just one of those yeah. things. Need to get it done. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And those guys actually brought that up. They're right. like, we want Shingo on the right. Normacast. Yeah, no, he, but I, I'm buddies with that guy. I mean, yeah, yeah. He's yeah. great. He's great. But I, I know that you mean a lot especially to the younger generation. Uh, and I'm sure you know that too. Huh. Um, you're giving me a look that you might not know that. <laughs> I don't um, feel like I have a good connection to like really young climbers, but well, that's, well, maybe I, maybe I just know this because I'm an outsider. Oh, okay. Um, and so maybe I'm like delivering you new information, but I do feel like you mean a lot to a lot of younger climbers and they, they love the Enormacast and it's like, you're their buddy on a road trip. And we didn't have that with our generation right. of traveling. Like we grew up in, you know, we're a few years apart, but I think we had the general same experience, mm-hmm. you know, no mm-hmm. smartphones, um, we're reading books. Um, we didn't have podcasts, you know, we didn't really even have internet, you know, like no online dating to fill your <laughs> lonely moments. Right, right, right. Like yeah. we grew up in a, a different era. Right. Um, but yeah, so I don't know what, Maybe this is new to you, but w- what does it mean to you to mean something to the climate community? Well, I, I, it's not new to me. I understand. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I get emails and, and people talk to me. So I, mm-hmm. I did, when I raise my eyebrows, yeah. my podcast eyebrows that no one can see, um, it was because of the younger thing. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm never sure, you know, and mm-hmm. I don't have a good, you know, I don't do any sort of like market like research or i mean there's i guess some way to maybe get more specific about who's listening but i i just don't really care to do that stuff so um i don't know who's listening i do i but i know i mean i know it means a lot and i know these episodes can have a huge impact and the again the breadth of the of the total sum of the work is pretty awesome and it's you know looking back on it again i just collected it to a month for years not really with a purpose or not really reflecting on what it all meant, but what it turned out to be is this huge repository of, of climbing, uh, history, you know, to the point of having people who are gone. Right. You know, so, um, yeah. So it's like, I understand that what I've created is meaningful to people. Mm -hmm. And we talk, you know, I was just talking about Harvey and his struggles. Mm -hmm. And when you get into struggles, you know, that's powerful stuff Mm -hmm. because everybody's like, Oh, that's me, or I have an identification with that, or that meant a lot to me. So it's like, you don't understand, I mean, you don't understand that until you start producing media. Um, and the podcast thing is funny because you you do just put it out there, especially in the early days of podcasting, and you know, you're like looking at your download numbers, yeah. and you're like, oh my God, like 500 people listened. Uh-huh. And that feels like a big deal. And you're like, well, God, you know, like, I'm sort of embarrassed or something at first. And Mm -hmm. even myself, I mean, I seem like I'm super comfortable with it now, which Mm -hmm. I am, but I was the same way, like putting things out into the ether that anybody can, 
you know, it's like if I came in and like opened up your journals and mm-hmm. like, I'm just like, yeah, man, I'll just like read through this shit that you're not even ready to put out there yet. Mm-hmm. And podcasting is like, you know, it's so off the cuff, it's not highly edited. And so you put it out there and you're just like, oh, I said that thing. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, th- I think it's, it's awesome for me because, you know, I was a much more avid climber, much more out there, you know, when I was younger. And so what it's sort of become is, this more powerful connection to the community than I ever had. Mm-hmm. And it's happening to me as my actual climbing, you know, I mean, literally since 2011 has steadily declined, mm-hmm. not necessarily in grades or whatever, but just the amount of climbing I do mm-hmm. and the amount of travel climbing I do. I think, you know, those two things are a little bit different in how you interact with the community. But, you know, if you go post up in a campground, you know, in Indian Creek or wherever, somewhere, there's this connection you create over five weeks to people that you don't, you know, just, I went to Rifle this morning at 6 a.m. and we left at 2, you know. Mm -hmm. It's like, we're just dipping in. So it's cool because here I am with this bigger connection to the community while I'm climbing and I'm in the community less. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a much bigger connection. I mean, much, I mean, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of people feel like they know me. right. And, you know, and then also I'm in the industry now, which is, you know, a whole other thing that you and I have different levels of ambivalence towards. But uh, but it's also yeah. part of that. So it's kept climbing in my life in a powerful way that uh, if I was just a dude, you know, in his twilight banging away on rifle sport routes, it wouldn't, I wouldn't have that connection to the community that I do now. And I generally almost without exception, enjoy the interaction I have with people who want mm-hmm. to talk about the show, mm-hmm. bring it up, you know, other than the times when I'm confused for Chris Hampton. Um, <laughs> nice. Which has happened quite a lot in the That's last awesome. few weeks. I mean, I was in Lander and confused for him in Lander yeah. um, this last weekend. But but yeah, no, it's it's been fun and it's all positive, at least in inter- interactions. Like no one comes up and tells me how much I suck or right, whatever. But, right, um, In fact, nobody... I get very little negative feedback, which has been surprising and awesome, you know, for something that's on the internet. Yeah, right, so, right. Yeah. Yeah, that's funny you get recognized for Chris Hampton. He's way more hip-hop. He's got a more hip-hop vibe than I, you do. It's <laughs> like, that's partially just physical. Yeah, 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 you know, totally. We're both yeah. bald. We're both of a certain age. Um, he has yeah. strikingly blue eyes, though, that I don't Yeah, he have. does, he does. So I don't know where that where they confuse me with him. But, you know, we're not, he's a little bigger than I am, but. Um, and we're both podcasters, so it all sort of connects. Yeah, yeah, totally. Jessica Goble yeah. actually was the one who started it. She was like, posted something where she was like, "Has anyone ever seen Chris Kloos and Chris <laughs> Hampton in the same room together?" <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Um, and what are these moments with these climbers? You know, you mentioned people that have passed away. Um, what do these moments mean to you that you you get um, with them? Because I think. Once you put a microphone in someone in front of someone, and once you kind of go deep, which you're not afraid to go deep, what is what does that mean to you to have those moments, and how does that enrich your life? Well, it's obviously you know I was old enough in climbing to know that climbers die and have had friends die, but it never it didn't you know it's just not something I thought about as I was doing the Normacast that like some of these people would die. I mean, when I started it, I had no idea how long it would last. Mm-hmm. whether I'd burn out and no one would care, no one would listen. Or, um, you know, there was a point, I didn't start it to make money, but there was a point where just to justify the time, 
because it takes time away from other things, you know, it needs to pay a little bit. And so, and then all of a sudden, you know, you, I got to a point where, yeah, like, uh, I mean, I don't know who I, I can't do a like tally of, of who's been and who hasn't, but yeah. you know, Bjornstadt was someone who passed away yeah. not long after I put his episode out, which mm-hmm. was clearly going to happen. Cause I literally, you know, interviewed him in his hospital bed. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was in hospice essentially. And, uh, so, I mean, and again, it didn't occur. Oh no, actually it was Kevin Landolt. It was the, yeah. it was, uh, yeah, Kevin. I was, I, I love that episode of Kevin. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was like, yeah. that was some powerful shit. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Cause if, yeah, if you guys, just to remind it's like yeah. a young kid who got leukemia and I interviewed him. I mean, he, it had re, uh, um, what's the word? Um, um when you get uh when you get it out of remission or yeah yeah, i mean he he had gotten it for the second time and you know statistically it's essentially a death sentence yeah and you know we 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 talked and it was like uh it was like a um it was the elephant in the room i mean the guy was like way down the key second round of chemo Mm -hmm. you know but kept it positive and light and like that everything's gonna be good and then he passed away you know not long after and so you know, it's a powerful thing to think that um, his family or whatever can hear him. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and so I mean, and, and and from a historical standpoint or whatever, you know, uh, I think you can read a book about somebody. You can you can read articles. You can read reports of what they did. But to hear their voice and not just a snippet, but a conversation that goes from laughing to being serious and back to laughing and all the places is a, is a powerful glimpse of who they are, mm-hmm. regardless of what we talked about. Mm-hmm. And I always talk about laughing. Like you hear yeah. somebody laugh, like for real, mm-hmm. that's like a huge window into who that was. Yeah. And so, or is or whatever. Yeah. And so, you know, it's like, I don't know, you know, it would have been great to have Bjorn set on 10 years earlier. You know, mm-hmm. because he was definitely elderly and definitely not firing. But I still think it was a service to to have that. I mean, it's still out there. Right. You know, it's out there forever. Absolutely, you yeah, know? yeah. And Hayden's the big one. Like, he was on a bunch. Yeah. Um, He was a real important part of why the podcast took off was because yeah. I, I got the Sarah Torre right, I remember that interview. Yeah, 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 I was like six and seven, I think, is what it is. And it, so it turns out he was an important part because that was something everybody was like, I heard these, you know, they... The Patagonia Taliban is on the this this thing. Like you can hear him explain what he had to do. So a lot of people tuned into that, and then it it kind of like set the stage for people to just keep listening because they're like, "Wow, that was really cool and powerful." And so, you know, and now he's out there, and yeah. and I know that his parents listen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, so he's so fucking funny too. Like I yeah, remember the a- episode with Bisher, him and Bisharat, and you just right. ripping. I don't even know what it was, God, but yeah. so. Such a stand-up comedian. Yeah. And um, so, I mean, I think it's a powerful thing. And, like, there's not a lot of that, like, pure archive type stuff. Or there wasn't up until now, you know, especially yeah. before uh, digital video mm-hmm. when, you know, movies had to be made on film. There's not – there's, like, these climbing films. But they're almost, like, so anachronistic. They're, you know, it's it's not even that big a glimpse. Or they were staged, you know. They were, like, some footage that Tom Brokaw did. Mm-hmm. of like backer climbing but i mean shit imagine a, a norma cast with backer like oh, man. you know near the end of his life reflecting on it all 
Yeah. There's snippets of that out there. Right. But nobody kind of thought of like, or there's no other format previously where it was really just like turn the mics on and see what happens and then put that out. Yeah, and you know I think I mean? you, I do, and and I think you get to it's the power kn- of this medium. Yeah, and you actually get to know someone because I think in climbing media, people are put on a pedestal, and, and you think you know who they are, right. like a Conrad Anchor or mm-hmm. um, someone like that. Uh, I, I've just been there's been several episodes of the Enormcast. I'm kind of blanking on more names than Conrad, right. but like you think you know them, mm-hmm. and then you hear them talk for an hour and a half, and like I didn't, I didn't know this person, right? Uh, I get the same thing out of writing, you know, like uh, Brittany Goris is mm-hmm. is working on a. Have you interviewed her? Yes. Yeah. She's working on a story and I just kind of started diving into some short videos and then seeing her writing is like, oh, I didn't, I kind of made a judgment of who she was before I knew who she actually was or saw much. Because you like, you just see, you know, usually it's just an image and what they've climbed. Right. And then I think a lot of times you can almost be envious of of someone um, because, oh, they're, they're, they're living the dream and they're, and then you hear about their life and, and everything like that. And they're like, oh, they're just another human being. Yeah. or, Or like, yeah. Or even, you know, they're like struggling way more than you are, you know? Yeah, yeah, the like, Dean oh. Feidelman episode right. uh, or two-part episode. That was really a good deep one. He went really deep. Well, and that cool yeah. thing is, and I was thinking about this while you were talking, is that you know, I, I you can you can like give me the some credit for my interviewing or whatever, but it it really really matters if they come to the table ready to go. Mm-hmm. And Dean was in this place, and we and he told me this, and he's like, "Yeah, I really want to talk," mm-hmm. you know late in his career um and you know a lot to reflect on and you know i like the young climber ones and some are good but a lot of times it's like literally like you're not ready yet to Mm -hmm. to reflect Mm -hmm. and and not to i think britney's was great Mm -hmm. but i felt in that way of like even now like a couple years later i bet you i would get a totally different interview out of her Mm mm-hmm and more time to reflect and more things that have happened and you know and so the late the later on ones and people like yeah you got to get some of these young comp climbers and stuff and and with the caveat that i have gotten interviews out of people where i didn't expect much and it was amazing Mm -hmm. and so my expectations i I try to dampen them down because i'm i'm often wrong but a lot of times it's like yeah you know it's like we're not quite ready to go anywhere deep because it's all right there in their face still, you know? Um, so, you know, back to those kind of late in life ones and these folks that have passed away, it's, it's pretty interesting, you know, to, to get this deeper reflection. And the thing about Hayden is that he was, he was like this kind of old man in a kid's body. I mean, he, he really, was like this crazy mix of both because he was like, could be like the most crass, immature little shit. Mm hmm. And then he also could like whip out this stuff. You're just like, whoa, you know, where, where is that coming from? You know, I think that was like the thing that really drew people to him. Um, and then he had this, he had this like impeccable integrity, mm-hmm. which uh, may have killed him. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what the question even was. Yeah, no, it's okay. <laughs> um, and, and what, like you also have like, got to interview. I mean, I just, I think about like Honold being on Joe Rogan mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, he talks to you, you know, right, and right. It, like Joe Rogan is, you know, the biggest podcast in the world. Yeah. Um, no one really knows why. But <laughs> that's another subject. But True. like what, 
how do you how do you prepare for someone like Honold, or is it just like everyone else? Just like everybody else. Yeah. Um. I've again the the, the experience in climbing. Um. Is. I mean, at least the first couple times I interviewed Honnold, I definitely do, knew more about climbing than he does mm-hmm. did. Mm-hmm. Okay, I mean, just as far as the history or everything else. So it's like, yeah. And then I, you listen to Climbing Gold, and you're like, yeah, right. I definitely know more about climbing yeah. history than Honnold because he's bullshitting yeah, yeah, a lot of that, right? But, right. but I mean, and that's just the thing is, I'm coming to the table. I'm not particularly intimidated, um, and I've known him forever. I mean, I know, uh-huh. knew, and so going back to like the beginnings of it, the fact that I know these people is a big helpful thing in it um but as far as alex is concerned i just want to say like he's been from early on to now he's like incredibly generous with his time to me Mm -hmm. and um and i've always just like you know felt that he's you know he believes in what i do and and he enjoys it and and uh and you know we're friends to a certain extent Mm -hmm. and so i've just always felt like okay that's really really good of him and i don't i don't like to like press him to do the show or i don't like to be this guy that's like oh i gotta get hollowed on to get my numbers up or whatever mm-hmm. um and so when it does come around it's usually like both of us are like yeah it's time and he likes talking to climbers and he and he makes fun of going on rogan and all the other stuff because mm-hmm. he's a guy that doesn't like bullshit dude the story about uh early joe rogan where they all got super stoned right. and like didn't he didn't even they didn't know what he didn't know what was going on it's yeah it's funny to hear that you yeah know? Totally. yeah 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 well, it's it, funny to hear that a pot like i mean joe rogan signed a hundred million dollar deal with spotify right. and it just started off of him just smoking weed and drinking whiskey and yeah, talking yeah. to people yeah i mean it's that's insane dream right yeah um but yeah he was there first in a lot of ways with that format i mean he kind of took it from uh it was a lot of stern influence, but um, right, stern, but, sure, yeah, but yeah, yeah. I mean, that, and that's the thing about Alex is he's just always been generous to me, and and uh, we have a good time talking, and he enjoys talking about climbing to climbers, and that's and in his mind, like the you know he says it's like the Norman Castle is where you do that, you know, yeah, totally. Um, I mean, one of the quotes from a previous one was like, if you're a climber, you got to do the Norman Castle, mm-hmm. um, you know, and he's he he makes the effort to make mm-hmm. it happen. You know, I pretty much shut him down last time. Yeah, because I had to go. <laughs> I was like, "Dude, we're done. Like, <laughs> zip it." <laughs> and what does it mean to you to see you've been climbing a little bit longer than I have? I mean, what does it mean to you? You're still engaged with climbing. I think a lot of people at our age and, and as they get older can write off climbing mm-hmm. and be like, "Oh, it was the glory days when I was a climber, and now it's nothing." Uh, which I think Honold is actually. I was talking a little bit of shit about the climbing gold riffing that he does but mm-hmm. he's he's very good about not being crusty at all and oh, very no. much he's he sees where climbing is going and he's he's had his moment i mean what what does it mean to you to to see climbing go from what it was in in the early 90s to to what it is now and then you're still a, a part of it right well i to go back to a previous question like what does the enormous cast mean to me if i wasn't doing the enormous cast i'd probably be way more crusty um, it keeps me engaged yeah. in a positive way. Yep. Um, if I was just like going about my business, you know, on my own, I'd probably be a lot more pissed off. Um, and, but I, I am, I'm, you know, to be honest with you, like I, and it's, it's sort of hypocritical because I have this podcast that like sort of promotes climbing. Um, my mission isn't really to talk to anybody that doesn't already climb. And I don't think many people do tune in that don't already climb but Mm -hmm. it's still out in the ether promoting the sport 
and so I do. I mean, I do get a little bummed um, mm-hmm. about the crowds, yeah, and about how the you know you and I both climb in Indian Creek. Like Indian Creek is is my test case because it's the place I climb the most consistently for the longest, mm-hmm. and uh, and the places you know it's a diff- very different experience. But along with that goes the anecdote where a lot of times, like Steph, who my partner who's super into Indian Creek still. I'm a little oh um about it. You know, she's like, let's go to the creek. And I'm like, ah, I don't know, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then she's like, you always have fun. You will have fun. You always have fun when you go there. And she's right. Yeah. Once I get there and I'm climbing and everything, I have just as much fun as I always did. So it's like there's this like fantasy place the way it used to be. I'm like, I'm I'm, you know, guilty of that as well, of this like it used to be better. And but the truth is, is like, you know, once you start climbing that crack, it's the same as it always was. Mm. You're plugging away at it, it hurts and, you know, whatever. So I just have to always check myself to remember like, okay, you know, what was the experience really like? And was it that important that, you know, t- 50 feet over from me, there was nobody else. And now there's people like, mm-hmm. you know, and do I really get shut down on the things I want to do that often in a way that I didn't before? And so... You just got to be like careful about what the reality of it. I mean, we live in this time where like reality and and fantasy are like it's so indecipherable. You know, this just like the the conservatives like thinking that the world was somehow better thirty years ago. It's always mm-hmm. in the past, and it's like no, thirty years ago it sucked, and the nineteen fifties sucked. Like yeah, you know what I mean. So it's like yeah. climbing is the same way in my brain. So yeah. Um, you know, overall, it's like I got the crust. I'm old. You know, I want my things to be the same as they always were. But in general, I mean, I'm still engaged. I still love it. I still climb as much as I possibly can. Um, you got to, you know, I go to, despite the fact that rifles overrun, I still go. And I usually have a great time. And I see all my friends. And I see yeah. people I know. And I talk to people about the enormous cast. And totally. the net positive is, other than I couldn't find parking, Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, know? yeah. And you probably have that extra advantage that you are who you are when you yeah. go into rifle. Yeah. You know, like people, people know who you are and, right. and you brighten up their day and then they brighten up your day. And I think that's what, to me, what the climbing community is all about is this energy that we kind of could transfer mm-hmm. to one another. Like I, I drove here, I stayed in Meeker last night <laughs> and, uh, like drove in and was just kind of feeling like shit after, you know, partying a bunch in Lander. And then I went to the climbing gym for two hours and talked to a couple of people and climbed. And then I walked out of there. I was just like super stoked, right, you know? Right. Um, yeah. I mean, it's like, it, it is true. Those change. I mean, the, the positives, I mean, there's so many more women who climb and, you know, um, you know, that may sound sort of like I'm some sort of dog looking for like women to climb, like hook up with, but yeah. just the fact that fact alone is yeah, changed yeah. The, the dynamic. I mean, you know, it's not incredibly diverse, but I think diversity is on everybody's mind and and people in general are more accepting of all that. So those are good things. Um, you know, but I think like you, you, you know, your whole, your whole brand is the dirtbag, right? Mm -hmm. And I also lament the kind of like upscale sort of money part of climbing that that's, you know, so obvious. I mean, you know, to bust on sprinters or not, it's this obvious when you go to a place where it's like most of the cars are like built out sprinters, you're like, okay, we're dealing with a demographic here. That's, you know, not 
have they haven't suffered you know <laughs> yeah yeah and it's yeah, like it yeah. used to be such this outcast yeah. thing and that's just a fact for sure although you know a lot of those also... guys were slumming from college even the yeah age dudes and stuff like that so it's yeah. always been an upper demographic yeah for sure um, so again that may be this fantasy thing that i'm i'm living in as well um you your dream dream interviews chris um who, who have you not gotten the i know you've talked about this in the enormous cast but let's just put it out there um, who you really want to get um, to interview on the Enorma cast? I think it would probably end up being a terrible interview, but I'd be psyched to interview Reinhold Messner. <laughs> Why do you think it'd be terrible? I don't know. I feel like he's a he's he's a guy that like he's so professional and he's so used to being on this pedestal and everything. I don't know if yeah. I could get get deep into Reinhold Messner's world. I mean, how fun would that be? But do you know what I mean? Like a professional. Like so deeply revered professional, yeah. And he's, you know, he's got a brand, and he's, you know, it's like, I don't know if he'd, you know, we could shoot the shit, as it were. Like, can right. you imagine? I mean, yeah. just again, this is me projecting, but can yeah. you imagine Reinhold Messner just like kicking back and shooting the shit, mm-hmm. and laughing and like making jokes and shit? I, I just don't see it happening. But mm-hmm. I'd be willing to go to his castle and try, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. just like have him lower the drawbridge, <laughs> fly in, like fly metaphorically castle, yeah. and physically lower the drawbridge. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But that would be super cool. You know, there's some big names that I've, you know, Sharma's never been on the show and I have a relationship, you know, through some other people, but with him like that, he could probably get it done. He's hard to, he's hard to pin down. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, just recent people that have come to mind, which are more like, like they're not out of touch, but I just haven't got around to it. Is um, is, is Chantel Astorga? Do you mm. know this name? I don't know. I think that's her first name, but yeah. she seems like a, a complete and utter badass. I'd like to get Catherine Desteville on; would be really fun. Uh-huh. I think she speaks good enough English. We could we could get an hour, uh-huh. um, which is is always an issue, you know. Yeah. Um, and speaking of that, like uh, freaking. And maybe uh, the Grimer would help me with this, but Jerry Moffat would be sick. Oh, yeah. 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 You know, I have that 80s fetish. Uh-huh. Like, I have a mission to fill in the 80s. Sure, and, uh, sure. He's a big 80s guy. Yeah. Um. So that would be pretty cool. Yeah, I just want to end this by thanking you for your time and, yeah, no and thanking for your, you for the body of work that you've given all of us. And uh, um, just super grateful to have become friends with you through this medium. And I, I really don't think if I hadn't started the zine and you hadn't started the Enormacast that we would even be friends. Yeah, you know, we'd just be like, hey, what's up, dude? And like the creek or whatever. Although yeah, you, totally. You we'd both be crusty. Cliffs, you climb, <laughs> yeah, we, you, when you climb at cliffs down there, that uh, you, people don't just ca- casually show up at anyway. So it's not like I would necessarily run into you at Supercrack that often. No, because like I that. never go to Supercrack. Right, but right. I do see you at the Supercrack parking lot because I hang zines there. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. when I see you. But let, well, let's let's end this actually on the, the only time we've ever climbed together. We've climbed together once. Yeah, you did a first ascent. Yeah, it was after the Cubs won the World Series. I'm from Illinois. You're from Illinois, and I was drilling a bolt in a five seven chimney or something right. at a stance, and there was a rainbow outside the chimney, and you took me off belay because I never was on belay. Right, and I I you went and looked at this rainbow, and then you came back, and I finished drilling the bolt. Well, yeah, because and, you weren't clipped anything. Yeah, I wasn't clipped anything. Yeah, so so you didn't actually take right, me off. Yeah, play. exactly. Yeah. So I, I don't want people to be like, oh, that asshole took him off play. Like I wasn't doing anything at that point. I was just standing there with the rope running up to your harness. So. Totally. And we, we named the climb Holy Cow Cubs Win. All right on. Famous Harry Carey statement. God, that and, was right before the election, too. Yeah, it was that glorious period where yeah. the Cubs had won the World Series after 100 years. Um, but hopefully we'll climb again soon. 
Yeah, or, I gotta I gotta yeah. come check out this purple Camelot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys oh, have sh- been dealing with. <laughs> We're oh, gonna end this sh- now. <laughs> you just keep posting it all over Instagram. What are you talking about? That's dude? true. That's true. Nobody in the basement can hear me. That's true. That's true. <laughs> Thanks, Chris. You the man. I told you, all of my critics, I told you all that I was the greatest of all time.